All right, let's get to the word. I'm not going to be long before you. I know we got time going here and uh, we got a lot to get to. But First Samuel 30, let's go there real quick. And uh, again, let's thank the worship team. You guys did wonderful tonight. It was great. First Samuel 30, and we're going to get right into this passage. Thank you. Hey, look, that's a man's towel. Come on, somebody. They watching. There we go. I love it. First Samuel chapter 30, and then uh, we're going to get right into this whole chapter here. I want to talk about David here, and anybody who is got any knowledge of scripture knows that David, he was an Old Testament figure, um, but the truth is, and, and I've talked very extensive on the difference between the Old and New Covenant, what it looks like, how the rules changed, um, and David was almost a New Testament guy in an Old Testament model. The things that David did, nobody else did in the Old Testament. He got away with doing things that would be would result in death for anybody else. Um, you know, we know that Jesus is both prophet, priest, and king. David also embodied both prophet, priest, and king. I mean, he went into the to the tabernacle and he gave the showbread to his men because they was hungry. And anybody else who would have done that, there would have been major consequences. Uh, David had a revelation through faith that God wasn't hungry. And the truth is, is that he, they needed to eat. And so he took that. And there was liberties that David expressed in an old model that we see all throughout the New Testament. And David was, David to this day, if you've been to Israel or if you're going to Israel or if you've studied Israel or anything in the Middle East of that that side of the world, David is still the most celebrated king in Israel today. Um, and it is something that when we read the book of David, you have to really understand this man was, the reason he could defeat a Goliath is because he was a Goliath. He was a giant, Goliath was, listen, we always say David and Goliath, like David fought the giant. It was Goliath fighting the giant. He just didn't know it. That's good. Because David was much bigger. David was the type of guy that changed all of the rules to everything. He was an outcast. He, uh, he had lost his mind at one point. I mean, David was, everything was going pretty good until David got this, this situation to where Samuel comes and anoints him king. No trials, no tests, nothing major. Until he was anointed. Until he came into contact with what he was designed to become. I want you to get that. Because some of you think it's the devil that's messing with you right now. And it's probably because you're closer to your fulfilling a thing than anything else. Maybe what you're experiencing right now, the, the, the pains, and it's so easy to say, man, this, this is... What is happening in my world right now, and I'm telling you, the closer you get to becoming what God has called you to be, the more you're going to see things go crazy in your life. David got anointed by the prophet, and that's when it all went crazy. He ends up fighting Goliath. We know that. He celebrated. Um, Saul was at a time um, to where Saul had lost the kingdom, even though he occupied the role of a king, he had lost a kingdom. That's a powerful message in itself because you can occupy a title that you've lost favor for. Just because you're standing here doesn't mean you belong here. He had lost a kingdom, but they were still calling him king. 
See, Saul's battle, he was never really mad at David. He was really upset that he lost the favor of the Lord. Because when you are a king, it's not just about a title. It takes a grace to lead people. It takes a grace to lead people. People are not easy to lead. Um, and, and, and listen, when I say people, I'm not, you know, pastors often get up and we act as if we're the shepherd and you're the sheep. The truth is we're all sheep. The shepherd is Christ. And, and it, it, it takes a grace, though, to lead people because we are, the, we are, we are professional complainers. And it's so easy for us to get in our feelings over things that most of the time we are causing in our lives. And, that we, and, 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 and one of the things, and if you was here at the ordination service, one of the things that I always tell people that we license or that, we, that, that are taking an active role in ministry is, listen, get ready to take some hits. You've got to be able to take hits. You've got to be able to roll the punches. Because I'm telling you, there's no way that you're ever going to please anybody that you're called to serve and it's going to get it's going to get um at times it's going to get frustrating because people are hard to posture for the things of god it's amazing to me how easy it is to entice somebody to do things that are dysfunctional but how hard it is to realign them back to the healthy things and so we are we are looking at David tonight because David, this guy was losing his mind. And there's one point, and I don't have time to get into all of the life of David, but you guys realize that this guy at one point, his fame, what made him fame was defeating the Goliath, Philistine. And it went all over the, the land. Everybody knew David as this giant killer. There's other stories that people don't ever preach about to where the, Goliath's brother was also killed. And the reason why people don't read about that is because it wasn't David that killed him. It was just one of his subjects. Because when the leader is seen slaying the giant, everything underneath him is empowered to do so. It wasn't that big of a deal the second time. Why? Because what you accomplish in victory becomes common in your tomorrow. That's heavy. The normal Christian life kills giants. It doesn't mean that you're special. That's just what we do. The normal Christian life speaks to mountains. That's just what we do. It's part of our reality. It's part of the world that we come from. Come on now. The normal Christian life sees things that are impossible as I'm possible. It's just what we do. And David was, he was different, y'all. And so here we go. David gets to the Philistine camp. Just before we get into this chapter, but David gets to the Philistine camp. And to, he's running from Saul. And it wasn't because, he, he and you got to understand, he wasn't running from Saul because of fear. He was running from Saul for, for honor, from honor. It was honor that was keeping him away from Saul. It wasn't fear because he had plenty of opportunities to kill Saul. And he chose to not do that because even though Saul was coming at him trying to kill him, David had honor in his heart for a leader. And so he would 
keep his distance. Waiting for God to do what he was going to do in that situation. And so David, he gets to this point where he has to, he's running for his life and he has to disguise himself as somebody who is mentally ill. And so scripture says that he literally um, let his beard just grow crazy and he would spit and drool and act as if his mind wasn't right. And he was trying to disguise his royalty so that nobody could recognize that this guy is special or unique. And so he had to do whatever he could and he he was hiding in the enemy's camp. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you the level of despair that David went through in his life. The reason that I love to read about David is because David lived a life that I can definitely see myself in a lot of those situations. Now, it's not as, I'm not spitting on myself and drooling, but there's things that David had to endure. So when we say David is the king of kings in Israel, you have to understand that As we're on this side of history saying, man, this guy was a great king. You need to understand what made him a great king. It's what he had to endure, the betrayals that he had to endure, the the, the heartache and the the, the backbiting and and they're trying to stone him and murder him. and, And all of these things this guy went through for years and years and years. And I mean, when he was anointed king, it was like 17 years before he actually got on the throne. So this is the problem that we have in today's society. As soon as you get anointed something, you're trying to sit on the throne. Your anointing is an invitation into a trial designed to create in you the maturity to be able to sit on the throne. You're an, I couldn't even say that again. I, I couldn't say it again. I don't know what I just said. It felt good, though. It felt good, man. I, little Pastor Inslee came out right there. I, hear a thing see a thing uh but but you but the my point is my point is is that's what the anointing is when god anoints you when you're coming into a new season when god anoints you you need to realize that is your invitation that is your gateway to the trial designed to mature you so quit looking for the throne quit looking for the throne there's it's Joseph. I think my wife was talking about Joseph a little bit earlier. God shows him the sun and the moon and everything bowing down. God typically leaves out these middle details. He leaves out these middle details. Why? Because, listen, it's going it's to frighten us. There's a reason why when the angel shows up in Scripture, every time they start with fear not. Why? Because God, if he, listen, man, he's so much God. When you come in contact with the will of God, that's when the fears in your heart will truly be exposed. You think you're afraid of enemies? Wait till you, wait till you find favor. I'm telling you, when you come in contact with real favor, that's when fear, the deepest fears in your heart are going to be exposed. Because you're going to start feeling like you're less than, like you're insecure, all the inadequacies, all this stuff that's in your heart's going to start coming forward. And because I, I don't know if I deserve that, I don't know if I can manage that. Favor will expose your fear much more than an enemy. Whew. Man, this okay? 
So let's get to 1 Samuel 30. I ain't got time, so I'm going to throw five minutes at you. Let's go. First, first, we'll make it a series. First, you know, I always used to hate, like, I'm up here saying I ain't got time. He's like, you got time. When I was in church and people would do that, I'd be like, if you don't tell that dude to shut up. <laughs> They'd be like, no, dude, you better go ahead and preach. No, it's three hours. I'm hungry. I was so carnal. <laughs> Shoot, man. TJI Fridays close at 10, man. We could talk about the word all next week, too. If y'all wasn't worshiping so authentically, I would have had some time tonight. Jeez, well, your spiritual people. <laughs> Here we go. So, so First Samuel 30, let's get in this. I ain't got time for this. But First, first Samuel 30, let's, let's just read real quick. Three days later, David and his men arrived back at Ziklag. Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They tore Ziklag to pieces and then burned it down. They captured all the women, young and old. They didn't kill anyone, but drove them like a herd of cattle. By the time David and his men entered the village, it had been burned to the ground, and their wives, sons, and daughters all taken prisoner. David and his men burst out in loud wails, wept and wept until they were exhausted with weeping. David's two wives, Ahinam and Jezreel, and Abigail, widow of Nabal of Carmel, had been taken prisoner along with the rest. And suddenly David was in even worse trouble. There was talk among the men, bitter over the loss of their families, of stoning him. David strengthened himself with trust in his God. Right there. We'll stop there for a second. Now, this is the thing. These are David's 600 men. You know, we've always heard David's 400 mighty men, but it was actually 600. Um, it gets to 400 in a minute. But this is, this is, these are, these guys are, um, these are people that David picked up along the journey of despair. These people are following David and these are, these are stone cold killers. You know, these, these, these jokers all come from Dexter and Davison, you know, all of them. He got that one, didn't he? <clears throat> you know, now we know Devon's really from Brighton. <laughs> um, so, you know, here, here's the here's the here's the thing. These guys are these guys are are as violent as David. I mean, the fact that they sing songs that Saul killed his thousands, but David is ten thousands. Can you imagine? What type of mind you have to have to kill 10,000 people and still be a worshiper? <laughs> These guys was different, y'all. And here they are. David found them in despair. So this is really important to understand. You always need to be aware of the season that you built a relationship with whoever comes into your life. It's very telling. You need, to, you need to check your gateways. There's certain seasons that you're in that um, every season has an assignment to it. And God, when he's got you in a season to where he's 
doing some things in your heart. You have to be very careful at the things that are coming into your life uninvited. Right? You, you, need, to be, you need to be aware of that. Not just in your mental side, but in your spirit, man. You need to discern people. Um, and here David picks up all these people in, in despair while he's running for his life. These people just attached to him. Um, why did they attach to him? What was David going through while he was running for his life, while he was acting as if he was mentally ill? And all these, these are when these people came. What is it about David's dysfunction that's drawing these type of people to him? Because he's losing his mind, and for some reason, you know, we already, we already know. You know, we already know that we attract what we are. Wherever David was mentally, these people... And so, if we read the story, the Bible, and I'm just going to paraphrase, they come back from just winning a war. Okay, the Philistines are scared because David, they thought David was going to turn on them. They didn't want to go to war with David because David was the prophesied guy from Israel. They thought that, that thought he was going to turn and then, and then it was just going to be bad. So they told David, you know, don't go to war with us. So David's coming back to his Zilgag. And here he finds his, all of his wives, all of his men's wives and children all taken. Now, at this point, they don't know if they've been raped. They don't know if they're in slavery. They don't know if they've been killed. They don't know nothing. And I can tell you right now, one thing you don't do is mess with a man's kids. Because not only are they already killers, but now, (laughs) now the thing that they love most is gone. There's no sleeping or eating or nothing. This is why the Bible said that they 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 was weeping, but no tears would come. Because it, it, was a, it was a mixture of, of pain but anger. And it gets to the point to where they turn on their fearless leader. The guy that saved them from the rubble. And they turn and they say, listen, we need to stone this dude. They start blaming David because of his leadership choices. You had us over here and the enemy came in and took what we, what we loved. And they start blaming David for these things. And so David, the Bible says that David turned inward. I love how the, the uh, NSAB talks about it. And he says, turn inward and encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, this is a big deal because you got to understand something about encouraging yourself in the Lord. There's, there's a point in life to where we all get to this point while you're growing because all of us are under construction. Just look at your neighbor and say, I'm currently under construction. And then look at him and say, thank you for your patience. Come on, right? You're under construction, and while you're under construction, there is a, there is a, as you're maturing and you're going to the next level in God, as your appetite changes and the things that God is doing in your life, you start putting your mind and your affections on things above, and you're not so concerned about the world as much and, and all of these type of things. As you're doing that, there is going to be a demarcation in your journey to where you're going to be unreachable. To where nobody can penetrate the heart that you're carrying. Every Listen, Bishop Jakes is one of my favorite preachers in the world. The man can just flat out preach. I mean, I think he could run for president. He's got my vote. Um, because there's so much wisdom and revelation in, in his oratory and his, his ability to describe a thing. I mean, my God, the dude was just born to preach. And I, I really think Jesus is up there like, man, did you hear that? Like... 
this, he's just that, right? And there's time, like, he usually, in my hard seasons, he'll say something, and I'm like, <laughs> but then there's seasons to where you go through to where even your to-go, like, your go-to sources don't work. Why? Because if you're going to mature, you're going to have to get used to the Holy Spirit in you. There's a certain level of growth that cannot be obtained by avoiding the Holy Spirit in you. You're going to have to get familiar with what your voice sounds like being led by His Spirit. That's what David had to do because the people he loved all turned on him. And I know this in leaders, leadership. Hear me well. We all love each other. It's a big family here. We all love each other. How many can say amen to that? But how many have been frustrated with some of us in here at one point? Yeah, it's okay. I didn't ask for all that, Portia. She said, praise the Lord. God bless you. I didn't even tell her to look and turn to your neighbor. She was... You know it's bad when you don't turn your neck. Your whole body got to turn like. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's one of them things to where you're going to have to learn to trust the Holy Spirit in you. That's the beauty of the new covenant is that now we become prophet, priest, and king. Right? That's the beauty of the new covenant. A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's what Peter says. Now, why, I want to go to Acts 2 just real quick, and I'm, I'm going to wrap this up because I, 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 there's too much to get to. I'll pick it up next week. Acts 2, uh, 29 through 31. Watch this. This is prophesying of David. Look. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne... He looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. Right there. Everybody say, he looked ahead. Right there. Who looked ahead? David. How does David encourage himself? He looks ahead. I'm trying to give you a tool. He learned to look ahead. If the only thing you're focusing on is what's happening now, you're never going to get through it. The beauty of a prophetic nature is that you can see a thing beyond where you're at and grab a hold of it and it'll pull you through. That's how this works. But you got to get used to the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Everybody just say, I need to encourage myself. You can beat this. You can get to where God, this is not, God is not asking of you something that is, that is, that, that is like, that's not doable. What God is calling you to is very doable. It is a reality that you can find yourself in if you just take the first step. Quit worrying about the journey. Just take the step. Take the first step. The Holy Spirit tells you to do something. Do it. There's been times where, listen, I was in the office and um, I text my wife. I don't know if she's seen it, but I was in the office while you guys were doing worship, just kind of gathering my thoughts. And I've read the scripture a hundred times, but the Holy Spirit says some of these things come out through prayer and fasting. And it's different when you read it 
than when God breathes on it in that moment. And I said, some of these things come out through prayer and fasting. And the Holy Spirit spoke that to me. And I know it was the Holy Spirit. Because there's been some things that when God has designed you. What's that? Look, I I even said, I was like, when God has designed you. (laughs) You got to love preaching in Detroit. Just out of nowhere, a a beast going to (laughs) drop. I don't even know what I was talking about. This messed me up. God breathes on it, right? See, when you encourage yourself in the Lord, you hear beats. You say, I can get through this. <laughs> so my, this is what I'm trying to get you to see is David actually seen ahead. He could see beyond where he was in a moment. This is how you encourage yourself. As a matter of fact, how many of you actually speak and talk to the Holy Spirit? You, you, he's real and he lives in you, right? And you know how he sounds? Like you. It's impossible for you to read a book and not hear it through your tone. This is why so many people misinterpret scripture because their nature's wrong. <laughs> they misinterpret the scripture because their nature's wrong, their tones are wrong. They see something as Jesus yelling a thing at you rather than inviting you to a thing. They don't understand love doesn't control. Love doesn't control. It's it's one of these things to where you have to ask the Holy Spirit, and I promise I'm done. I, I got too much to get to. But we need to start asking the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, I, I want you to do that right now. Just say, Holy Spirit... Give me a prophetic nature. Let that sit for a second, yo. You're not just saying this because I'm saying, like, let that really hit. Because right now, some of us are in a trial that we can't see beyond where we're at. And I ask the Holy Spirit for a prophetic nature so you can see beyond what you're enduring. So that you can attach to something beyond what you're facing right now. You know, the old saying is, you got to fake it till you make it. No, no, no. Face it till you make it. Face it till you make it. Yes. Face it till you make it. And watch what the Holy Spirit does. So, Father, I I just pray right here. You guys can stand with me. I don't want to keep you too long. But I, I just ask right now, how many, if you're in here and you say, Pastor, I'm definitely going through some a season right now. I just want you to not only just signal that you, you're going through the season, but I just want you with a show of uplifted hands, just, just posture yourself for a second with the heart of surrender tonight. Father, I just ask you right now to give those that are here that are going through something right now that is genuinely tough looks like there's no way out I'm asking you right now by the Holy Spirit to give them a prophetic sense to be able to see beyond what it is that they're 
enduring right now. Help them to see and then pull that tomorrow into their expectations. Teach us the power of speaking to ourselves through your inspiration. Teach us how to truly encourage ourselves tonight. To be able to speak to us and then also know that it is the Holy Spirit leading us. Holy Spirit, we submit to you right now in Jesus' name.